Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, this is my custom right here. I like to take this time to welcome our guests because I know they are coming with several things that I deem very expensive, uh, priceless in my way, in my eyes. Time. The value of time has been misunderstood by many, and so many of us do not know how to utilize it, how to partner with it, how to become one with it so that it can guide us. And so it is so precious, and I want to thank Sophie for coming and spending some of that precious, precious stuff with us. The other is the journey. The journey housed who we were, made us who we are today as we stand with knowledge, wisdom, insights, and all of those things that people say that sages acquire through their journey. We want to thank Sophie for coming and sharing both of those precious stuff with us. Sophie, welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate I, the opportunity. Oh, I can't wait to get to you. Um, <laughs> tell the folks, how, do you, serve? <laughs> how do you serve uh, others? How do you, what is your way by which you are uh, exchanging with uh, other, other human beings while we're here? Uh, so currently at this point in time in my life, I've made a, I made a recent shift actually in the last five years. And so for me right now, I work with entrepreneurial business women specifically who are going through massive heartbreak. I had some, I would say I had three plus one heartbreaks in the last five years. I went through a divorce after 18 years, which was a conscious decision on both of our parts, but just because you choose to leave a relationship doesn't mean there's not going to be a heartbreak. So there was massive heartbreak. And during that time, while I was going through the divorce before it was completed, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I personally think that the fear of the unknown is one of the hardest things for human beings to deal with. And I had the fear of the unknown of what it's like to leave a marriage I was in for 18 years. So conceptually, if you think about it, I got married in my early 20s and pretty much grew up as an adult or those adult years inside of a relationship. So I had no idea who I was outside of the role of a wife. Yeah. So the fear of leaving that was huge. The uncertainty, the fear of making a mistake, the fear of failing, the fear of embarrassment, the fear of what other people would think, the fear of could I do it alone, the fear of would I ever be loved again. I was a young woman. I was like 41, not that young, but young enough. And then couple that with being diagnosed with cancer. I mean, if you think about from my perspective, human beings have two things on the food chain that are bigger, stronger, badder than we are. I would say that's disease and war. And I think that cancer is one of those diagnoses where it just instantly brings up your mortality. Yeah. So I went through those two heartbreaks and then a third heartbreak I went through at the same time, which many people might not realize is a heartbreak, is my ex-husband and I had built a thriving business together, and I had a thriving coaching practice in the corporate world. And to leave both of those thriving businesses uh, left a big void in my life. So those three things uh, were were heartbreaking for me. And then we had the pandemic. Yeah. And I think the pandemic was a heartbreak for human beings worldwide. <laughs> now, here's how I was blessed through the process. I was blessed through the process because while I was going through cancer, I had repartnered. And one thing I really wanted to go for in life that I hadn't gone for was to be a mother. Mm -hmm. 
and I had to have the strength to refuse treatment. I refused treatment even though it was a contraindication to my doctor's recommendation because getting pregnant was a concern for the cancer to reoccur. I refused treatment to get pregnant, and eight yeah. months after my lumpectomy, I, we were blessed with a baby boy. Um, Congratulations. So, thank you. So, he's going to be three in November, and he's yeah. ha healthy, happy. And, and so, having gone through all of that, I actually thought I wasn't going to go back to work. I thought I was going to retire. I was pretty burnt out when I had left my big corporate career uh, Dealing with those life challenges took <laughs> some energy, to be honest with you. But then, you know, my son turns two last year, and he's in daycare, and yeah. I gave myself a few months of a break, and I was just like, oh, I got this, like, space. <laughs> and what am I going to do with this space? And I just thought to myself, if I'm going to go back and serve, it's not going to yeah. be in the corporate world to help another organization make some more dollars. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been a process for me to figure it out, to be very honest with you. And where I have landed is... I feel where I can make the biggest difference in a human being's life is to support a woman who, you know, an entrepreneurial businesswoman, because I know that world mm -hmm. and I can relate to her, yeah. who's gone through or going through massive heartbreak and who's not quite figured out how to get her love life or that love relationship to to match the way she wants it to be. You know, there's lots of conditioning, as we've spoken about earlier, that's, yeah contributed to gender roles and the limitation of how women show up in relationship and how it's disempowered women. And I feel like I'm somebody who had to break through so many different societal norms and social conditioning and my own limiting beliefs and my own negative self-talk based on things that weren't even my own thoughts mm -hmm. in order to go for the life that I really wanted. And so I am now in a place where I have chosen to support women through that so that they can liberate themselves and go for not only the business that they want, because I feel like when you're thriving in your personal life, you're thriving in your business and vice versa. And I do believe heartbreak impacts business yeah. in so many different ways. Um, but to support her in knowing that whatever trauma she experienced as a child or in her relationships or that came through generationally or whatever she's telling herself, whatever she's listening to, it may not be the truth for her and to help her decondition so that she can step up and, and attract, attract who it is that's a match for her based on her wants, her needs, her desires, her thoughts. Um, and so that's where I'm at now in my life. So that's who I'm choosing. So, Sophie, that's a powerful um, picture that you painted of a warrior beyond um, imagination. And I am very excited to get to know this warrior that sits before me. Um, one of our customs is to go back into where it all began. I tell people it began there. Um, the first space by which we reside as humans when we enter into this place uh, called planet Earth is the unit family. That family, sometimes I, re I, I refer to it as the science lab, where we have these two people that from their trauma and how they see the world based on their trauma, they are now going to deposit data into you and I as we are collecting data from our quote-unquote family, mom, dad, grandmom, brothers and sisters and so forth. What was your family unit like? 
while you resided there for that time? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. So my parents divorced when I was two. My dad is French-Canadian, and I actually don't know a whole lot about the background there. His family was farmers. He's one of six. He was the youngest. Um, um, I mean, where I'm, where I'm, I'm just struggling because I'm trying to figure out how to articulate. Um, they were the kids were like driving tractors at the age of two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's 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 about as much as I know from that side of the family. So it just it tells me that, um, you know, they learned a lot of things very young and yeah, adult and yeah. adulting very young. My mother, um, her background is indigenous, mm-hmm. and um, it's not too many generations ago that. My grandparents went through the residential school situations. I don't know a whole lot about um, that part of my background. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, um, I know a little bit. I, I never really took the time to really learn. I was just more focused on surviving, to mm-hmm. be very honest with you. Yeah. So my parents divorced when I was two, and I lived with my mom. I have a younger brother. And it was challenging. She was a single mother. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she went through a traumatic uh, accident when I was about 10 years old. That left her, she was electrocuted, which left her unable to walk for several years. So mm-hmm. that was like a whole situation for us. Um, and then fast forwarding uh, till I was about 16 years old, she married an abusive alcoholic, which had us be in and out of women's shelters. So um, just to give you like some incidences that I can remember, it, it was a pretty unstable um, household, although, you know, my mom was a strong leader and I always felt loved and cared for. There were just situations that happened that could really impact that not could, that really did impact my sense of self, my view of self, my sense and view of the world. Um, and I, I went through things that other people have gone through worse and other people have not. Those were my, those were my things that I went through. I think, um, the reason why I like to begin the conversation there, um, because I know for me, I was formed at a pretty young age because of some uh, trauma that I went through. And it that served me. I walked with that um, belief uh, into my 20s and um, into my late 20s when I began to notice certain things and then began to as they began to surface um those i've told those folks before about me i was i I vividly remember walking down my campus uh going this in college and um a memory of my childhood came rushing in and i was in my 20s as i said i remember running to find a location by which i can uh break down and cry because you know as the culture teaches men men don't cry especially in public so i had to find a place by which i could break down as a human being from the deepest parts of me and uh, um, were able to uh, deal with some of the memories that were coming Uh, so i know that's why i usually start there because we we are formed if you will so here's this young girl. She has been through much trauma uh, watching mom and being brought into a situation with an, uh, a gentleman that is traumatizing the family. You also move into facilities that I'm sure has many 
young folks that are traumatized as well. So you're surrounded by trauma. As you are moving through your life and you are looking into your future and you remember, if you will, this young woman, maybe in her late teen, teens thinking about college um, or not, what was your uh, mindset, if you recollect, while you were there, what was your purpose of choosing college? Some people choose it to get the hell out and different things like that. What were you looking at, Sophie, when you were there as this young woman looking in to beginning her future? Um, I adopted the belief early on that knowledge is power and that education was the thing that was going to get me out of my childhood situation. I, I did not have wealthy parents. I didn't have family. I wasn't um, afforded some of the luxuries that other people uh, were afforded. I, I, I realized it was up to me. Mm -hmm. And the only way I was going to change the trajectory of my life um, was to be highly educated and to be um, just to be educated. And that's really when I started to realize I was very good in sales because I start I, I had started in high school a sales job. Yeah. Um, but when I was in university, I started to realize that I was good in sales because I knew how to ask questions to help people identify what it is they wanted. So mm -hmm. I knew how to identify a need. I knew how to listen and then I knew and then I knew how to tell them what was the solution for what they wanted, presented in a way that um, and then I knew how to ask for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just knew how to ask, do you want it? Do you not want <laughs> yeah. it? I mean, for me, that was just like, Hey, I did all this work. Like, do you want this? Like I was excited for them, you know, you know, I gained their commitment, you know, and you had yeah. to gain their commitment. I mean, I, I, I was just natural at that. I mean, yeah. I, I came from the mindset is like, I, I'm going to do all this work for you and not find out whether or not you want it. Like, I was just like so excited. Um, but yes, my primary Back to your question, my primary thought process as to why university for me was... Where, excuse uh, me, um, Sophie, where did you pick that up? How old were you when you recognized that education is the way out? Because you are surrounded by trauma. You're just yeah. this young girl being moved back and forth, experiencing that. What caused you to realize education is it? I don't know the answer to that, but what's coming up for me that I'm I can share is when I was very young, I wanted to be a lawyer, a mm -hmm. divorce lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, the reason I wanted to be a divorce lawyer, if I was being very honest with you, is my parents were divorced, my father was not yeah. in the picture. I found I thought that I would find some sense of power there. Yeah, um, it wasn't coming from a healthy place, and then I had evolved into wanting to be. Um, a lawyer like Richard Gere and Pretty Woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, some sort of corporate lawyer taking yeah, apart yeah. businesses. Again, I, I can, what I can, what I'm feeling right now in the conversation is I had a loss of power as a yeah. child. And so I was looking for ways to reclaim power. And power for me back then is very different than power is for me now. And power yeah. for me back then was more about um, like status, job, money, uh, winning. Mm -hmm. And so I guess. 
if I'm making conclusions for myself, the only way for me to get that was to be educated. Yeah, yeah. I had to be smarter than everyone else to outperform them. Yeah. And that would be power for me. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I would have been able to suck back the power that I felt I didn't have as a child. I don't think that way now, but um, I was being very honest with you. And, and I, I was addicted to power. And so yeah. I was addicted to learning and performing. And that's why sales... Yeah was such a nice compliment because the more you, I sold like that clothes was like an addictive yeah. hit, mm-hmm. like an adrenaline, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it satisfied that sense of power for me, yeah. unfortunately, because it's also what caused me to burn out and get very sick. Well, yeah, it's always the reciprocal of it because when we are not in our um, right place, I tell people you have to learn how to recognize when you're squatting until you get to where you need to be. If you recognize you're squatting, you're not going to burn yourself up. <laughs> so, because the space is temporary. And so, uh, because you're moving someplace else. And so you will learn how to manage. And I would, I would educate my staff. And I would tell them, says, all you guys, you have to remember you're squatters. You got to um, educate yourself and always keep moving. Don't stay in one position too long. So here you are. You are um, addicted to the power. And we get addicted to so many things in, on this planet. There's hundreds of thousands, millions of things that you can get addicted to. But here you are, this young woman. You found a skill by which you see where you can get your high, your fix, if you will. And you're moving through life and you're obtaining your fix from one sale to the other. How did that power begin to mold your thought life? Well, let me just take a minute to really feel into that. Um, it's where I formed my validation. Yeah. I started to seek out validation outside of myself. I started to seek validation in the number of zeros that was on my paycheck. Yeah. It started to really reinforce my competitive nature. Um, uh, and I also could see at a fairly young age, you know, several years into it, that it wasn't the most healthy place to be. Mm-hmm. It wasn't who I was as a human being. Yeah. I wasn't being collaborative. I was being competitive. Like that's, and I, I, I started to realize that, um, power was not that. I also realized I have a gift of articulation and um, communicating nuances and unpacking conversations in a way that helped other people see things for themselves and connect the dots in a way that they couldn't necessarily do it uh, for themselves. And so I started to um, uh, desire that type of connected relationship because the power that I was seeking before was sales. There's no, there's not really a connection there. Yeah. I started to get the void, feel the void of yeah. life, uh, the lack of love, the lack of connection, the lack of emotional intimacy. I'm not even talking about a love relationship. I'm just talking about being with another human. Yeah. Uh, and that void really started to shape the direction that I went, was going into. But to bring it back to your question, that sense of power that I received from the hit of a sale was taking me into a direction that was isolated and lonely and competitive and um, power over and control, lots of control, not like over people, but just controlling my life, like mm-hmm. like controlling mm-hmm. circumstance yeah. situations, you know, um, which had me live do. from, <laughs> yeah, well, 
You're trying to control the conversation yeah. to have it go a particular way. There's yeah. no exploration in it, really. I yeah. mean, it's like it's a narrow box. That's yeah. why I didn't want to go back to that. Yeah, it's that's how the mind of a salesperson uh, navigates is that mm -hmm. they have these boundaries that they know what those boundaries are. Um, the people that the person that is in front of them don't know that they're being guided within yeah. those boundaries. And so, yeah, I'm, I, I came out of there. <laughs> so I'm familiar with Yeah, so you understand. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've been there. I remember. But there was no joy, no, no joy. Like there was no joy. The fulfillment is like temporary yeah. and it's and it's not thriving. I don't call that thriving. That's like surviving. You're only as good as your last deal. Like that's there's exactly no sustainability. What, uh, in that. That's, that's the mantra within the sales uh, um, industry. You're only as good as your last deal. Which and, is like such yeah. a so sad. <laughs> Isn't it? And <laughs> yeah. it, but that's that is the, the 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 industry by which they're in. And I've seen a lot of good people um lose their way in that field because of the next uh the next hit if you will so here you are mm -hmm. you're moving through your life and you recognize that you have a deeper even more um satisfying quality is to be able to recognize people's uh people need and then you're able to uh, guide them as to articulate what their need is and so forth. As you discovered that, how did you begin to move towards it? Because you still have to feed, um, pay your car note, uh, take care of the, the, the bills and all those different things, but yet you're seeing this. How did it begin to guide you, Sophie? And where did it, uh, where did you end up, if you will, as it moved you through? So I started taking personal development courses and I started um, learning more about myself. And then I started taking coaching courses to learn how, how to coach were more. You? So, pardon the interruption. How uh, old were you at yeah, this time? No, I started taking personal development at the age of 23. Mm -hmm. So it was like early on. Okay. And so how that looked is. So it was early in my sales career and how, yeah. how it looked was is because I was naturally good at listening and asking questions, I was a naturally good coach. And then when I started taking more leadership courses, personal development courses um, and coaching courses, I took the learning and put it inside of um, I stopped being a salesperson and I started training salespeople and I started training sales leaders. So mm -hmm. I started training salespeople how to be stronger salespeople. Yeah because I naturally knew how to do it. And then I knew how to coach, started to learn how to coach them yeah. and started learning how to lead them. And then I started training the leaders and how to be more coach-like in their approach so mm -hmm. that they could open up their sales people and make a contribution and a difference rather than just telling them what to do because it doesn't develop a human. Yeah. Um, and so I married it like that. That's how I married it. And that's how I started getting um, the opportunity. I traveled across North America working with, Fortune 500 companies training the sales leaders and the sales team. So I kept it within the realm of sales because that was my expertise. Mm -hmm. um, and because I kind of knew I would do well, <laughs> <laughs> it was like safe. Yeah, it was a yeah. safe bet for me. Um, but I did uh, evolve myself to be somebody who started to develop people's leadership and their own personal capacity within inside of that context. Yeah, here you are, so a young woman, though. You're gathering um data concerning personal development 
And those things always, those principles, when you begin to dig into them and study them, will begin to shift you. Um, mm. And, you know, some of it is noticeable and some of it is not. It'll manifest uh, a few years down the road, but you're shifting. And yes. As it begins to shift you and you're moving through your training, the trainers, if you will, and so forth, <laughs> with all of that information, Sophie, when the training and all the people are gone and you're in your house, you're laying down, you're in your car on your way back from all the running around, what were you thinking and what were you thinking about? What was your thought pattern? What was happening to Sophie? Well, it was so fulfilling for me to support a human being to break through some form of limiting belief or limitation yeah. or, and to be able to do that became the new drug. Yeah. I didn't really want to say that. I, uh, yes, that's exactly that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Yeah. Call me out. It, that's, that's where the, that's where, that's where the hit came. Yeah. And so it was still, unfortunately, as I'm looking back, looking outside of myself for some form of fulfillment, yeah, you know, it's yeah. not like I could just not work and be so completely fulfilled. I found my fulfillment in supporting somebody else's growth. Yeah. I mean, I was doing my own growth, but yeah. And so, um, yeah, it became the new drug in a different way, yeah. more of the same, a different color, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's that. And it's it's natural. It's a natural thing that the human being is moving from one to another. Even when one becomes awake in the sense where you're moving from one, it's one um, space to another. It's one. You, we are not designed to um, to be complacent. Complacency is the enemy of personal development, as perfection also is an enemy of personal development. And so because many people are afraid to start because they're not perfect. So I don't know how yeah, that they don't is, have but yeah, that's the way that they were programmed. So, but we do move from one um, energy level to another and it becomes something that we are addicted to. I'm addicted to my meditation. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite drugs in, to take uh, in my life. I'm addicted to uh, excellent conversations like these. These are the things that now I am addicted to versus all of the other things. And so here's this young woman now moving. She recognizes stuff. She's leading the leaders and she is moving. Um, within this space, I'm sure you are dealing with your marriage. You're married at this time, around that time. And... Um, you're in this relationship and learning about you and recognizing things in your quiet moments, because it is there that we begin to listen to oneself because we get so busy hiding in our work. So when you weren't hiding, Sophie, um, what was going on? That's a great question. No one really ever asks me that. And it's sad for me that no one really ever asks me that. It makes me feel like people don't really care, you know? 
I guess that's sort of the stuff that was going on. I was like lonely yeah. and isolated and disconnected. Um, um, I was a great performer. Yeah. We were all in all areas. Actors, yeah. yeah. Like I was great in the arena of being in a corporate boardroom and I was great in the arena of like satisfying the role, I guess, of what the wife role was for me at the time. Yeah. And like, what did Sophie really want? She yeah. didn't, she didn't, she didn't know. Yeah. Um, I was really lonely. That's what was going on. I was just really lonely and really isolated and not feeling connected to the way I would have liked to have been connected. I mean, it's one thing to walk into a boardroom for four days and be connected with those people on the level that most people don't get to connect with. But then you walk out. Yeah. And I, I yearned for more long-term relationships in that regard. And that was one of the things that that, career did not provide for me um and it's one of the reasons i'm not doing it that way again i i i like deep intimate relationships with fewer rather than short transactional relationships with a lot yeah yeah um and so my my heart uh was was i was i was empty and broken a lot i felt heartbroken a lot the marriage, tell people, marriage can be one of the loneliest places to be in when one is there with the wrong person. It is one of the darkest times, the amount of years that you're there. And you have a glimpse of laughter and joy and stuff like that. And But within that space, there is much pain and darkness there. And I've been there. And so I've been through um, that while I was growing within the corporate world and the disconnect that takes place when one is in your acting role in the office and then when you come home and you're exhausted from the acting, but yet you have to continue to play with different characters and uh, different outcomes. But that is the way it is when you are with the wrong person. You are there now. You're recognizing some stuff as you're moving through. And you said on the onset that it was a mutual um, decision. Once you recognize that, wait a minute, maybe both of us are dying here. It's best that we move forward. Uh, because I know we're heading into this place, your, your last several years that you're talking you mentioned earlier. So as you began to make that decision, because you know you have to do this in order to live. Mine was, I, and I've told my testimony before, Sophie, I was driving in a car, coming back from the corporate deal thing. And I'm in the car thinking and contemplating and meditating on my life. And I realized the answer for my successful marriage would be for me to die. And I remember uh, driving in the car and recognizing that, that I could make it work, yeah, that I would have to kill Ken. And I, I asked myself this question, what would you be? Would you recognize you? And I couldn't, I couldn't put it together. And so I remember I pulled off from the side of the street and, and started yelling, 
I am not going to die <laughs> on the highway of people flying by and seeing this crazy guy in his suit yelling, I'm not going to die. But that's what I had to do because I recognized I would have to, uh, Ken, and I didn't know who I would have become in order to be, into a, be in a place that I was never, I was not happy. So when you, as you recognize, Sophie, you, as you're moving through, you recognize there must be a change. Um, how did it come about? And what did it begin to do to you? <clears throat> um, I recognize there was a change. How did it come about? Well, I, I had known for a long time that there needed to be change yeah. and it just wasn't happening. Yeah. And um, I'll be honest with you. I think that there's other women who make the same as men too. Um, I'm just going to speak from a female perspective that there's like three very big common themes that we do that we sell out on ourselves, how we sell out on ourselves in the relationship. And it's one, mm -hmm. it's like I had boundaries and I wobbled every time. Yeah. Out of fear of the abandonment that I would experience, the trigger of being rejected or abandoned, out of fear of being alone. Um, I had non-negotiables that I never upheld. I made excuses and justified behavior. Um, so that I wouldn't have to uphold my non-negotiables because I was scared of the process of what it would be to get out. Mm -hmm. I knew that process was not going to be easy. I just, I just knew that. Um, I hoped for change for a very long time. Yeah. And then, and then I... I got into my forties and I was like, I am not getting any younger. Like, like I am just honestly not getting any younger. Like, when is it going to, like, when am I going to stand strong for myself? Like, when am I yeah. going to choose myself and not the relationship? And when am I going to hold up my boundaries? And when am I going to stop living a lie, telling other people in their, in their businesses that they need to communicate directly and have boundaries and all these things. And then I, in my home life, it fell apart. And I think that's one of the reasons I really want to support women who have business and then heartbreak is because like, how do we women show up so strong and then we just fall apart in these relationships. And it's like, I, I started, I, I had to break through the conditioning, which we were talking about earlier of what it meant to be a woman to walk away from a marriage. Like, is that really failure? Like, am I really supposed to prioritize my own needs in the sake of the relationship? Like, am I really supposed to be this unhappy to be a wife? Like, is that the way life is supposed to be for me? I mean, I had to really start to get very honest. And then I was like, I, after all the, the self-development I had done, this is like 20 years in. It's like, okay, Sophia, like, you can't live it only in certain areas of your life. That's not congruency. Yeah. That's actually out of integrity. <laughs> You're out of integrity with yourself and standing in front of a boardroom. Like, yeah. it just, just doesn't match anymore. And I was just very sick all the time. My stomach was just so sick all the time. I mean, I don't have those stomach issues anymore. And I really believe the body communicates, and I suppressed oh, it yeah. for a long time. And so... You asked me, like, what started to happen? It's like, I just started to question if that's how life is going to be for me. I'm going to be that unhappy for the sake of whatever society has told me I'm supposed to be for so long. And yeah. I would have rather died than yeah. do it any longer. And um, I got a glimpse of what was possible, and I went for it. You, you, you're talking about... The programming, that's what keeps us there. 
culture. Which keeps us stuck. Um, religion, um, surrounding marriage, uh, family, uh, family, the stuff yeah. about family and what is being teach and preached in our family as far as marriage and relationship. All of those things um, are the uh, the cords that are used to bind us and keep us there. And so as we began to ask those questions, and I think, as I mentioned to you, one of the most powerful gifts that one can give ourselves is to begin to become that perpetual investigator of the self. Why am mm -hmm. I here? Why do I need this? All of these things, as one begins to investigate and begin to question your motives, if you will, um, and as you begin to do that, you recognize, wait a minute, I'm a little more valuable than this. And so you take that step. And I tell people, Sophie, it is, I call it the statement of faith in the sense that I believe this thing more than anyone else and I don't care about whatever. And because I made a statement to me, it will now, we are designed to, once you mean it, you will take the corresponding steps to make it a reality. As you decided that, okay, enough is enough. And I tell people, when you get there, until you get there, your life is circular. You'll meet your, you'll meet your, your shadow there again because you're, you haven't moved, because you haven't decided yet. When we decide, you would be amazed at the progression of the self as we begin to move forward. As you, once you decided so, and you moved from where you're at, you began to take the step because it is your, this young woman, you're in your forties, you're full of fear, you've, you're, you're fearful of everything. I'm not sure this is marriage I've been in. I'm fearful of failure with my business. I'm fearful because your business is your is a relationship. Yes. You and your husband had your uh, marriage, your uh, relationship, but there's another relationship within, and it's a business yes. that is a relationship. Yes. So you're yes, thank you. losing all of yes. your relationships. Yes. And you are in... The darkest, they, they call it the, the dark places, and here you are. There's no one there but you. You're in the dark uh, uh, spiral, as they say. What did you begin to say to Sophie as the darkness is closing in on her to get her to take that first step? Um, it's a good question. I got a glimmer of some joy in my life. And I just thought if that's possible for me, then I want to try to get more of that. Yeah. I started to learn how to fulfill my own needs. And I thought if I can feel this happy, then I deserve to have more of that. And I started to be very honest with myself. I mean, I think here's the other thing that we do when we're in that kind of a long-term relationship or when any relationship really doesn't have to be long-term is um, 
we set our boundaries or our non-negotiables or we communicate what our needs are. And then our partner tells us very point blank that they're not going to get met in some way. Yeah. And yet we stay. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, that's on, that's not, that was on me. Yeah. You know, as much as I want to blame the other individual, that those are, those are my actions. Those were my choices. Those were my reasons for staying. I had the power all along. Yes. And when I started to realize that I was not getting any younger, and I actually started to think like, <laughs> if I'm going to go find another, like, <laughs> like love, I mean, these are my best years are I just like wasting. Like, like, well, I, I mean, I, gotta get I mean, I still want to look good when I'm like, you know, I don't, I just, that's just how I was starting to think is like my best years are starting to slip away. Yeah. And if I don't take some time to process myself out of this relationship and heal, it may never happen for me. Yeah. And I just was not okay with that thought. And I, I started to really believe I deserved more. And it was the moment I believed I deserved more was the moment everything changed. Yeah. And until, like you said, you make that decision until a human being, in my opinion, decides they deserve more, they put up with and conform to all the things that keep them stuck. And I, I started to, I, it's like I was in the eye of the storm of a tornado mm-hmm. and I very calmly stood there and let the debris and I chose what I wanted to stay and yeah. I let the rest fall. And it's, it's like that. And you have to be willing to let the rest fall. Yeah, I agree. It's where we become the designer of our life. It is yes. right there in that dark space. And I would tell people that the darkness comes because someone inside of you needs to wake up because that yes. uh, the creator in you, it's time for them to arise until then. Um, you know, you just on, 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 on the program, but when the you treadmill. decide yeah. that I want to create something else, you saw that joy and you go, wait a minute, I want to create something else. And when that becomes real, you begin to step into your power. But it's like anything. Um, I tell people when a plane takes off, they go to one direction, they run into these wonderful things called turbulence. And the beautiful thing about turbulence is that it is so many different kinds of turbulence. Yeah, for me it was cancer, (laughs) like that? Yeah, yes. And so (laughs) these turbulence come, but we have to have a few things in place one must re, re you know begin to take ownership i am the captain i will learn to navigate within all of these turbulence and so we then began to uh, bring in tools to get us skillful enough to begin to navigate so here you are you've walked away you began to make your step and then this Beautiful, evil thing says, I want to push you a little more. Just a little. (laughs) And so you went to your physician, (laughs) something is going on. And you went and they said, Sophie, you have this cancer. Now, Sophie, I want you to talk to me about this because you mentioned something in the beginning that I thought was very powerful where you made a decision against 
you're a physician and you told us why. So here's this young woman, life spinning out. You've got some taste of personal development. You started it into in your young years. What were some of those tools first before we go into that? What were some of those tools that you had in your quiver that you did not use that you began to pull out and start bringing into your forefront to start um, helping you to navigate through all of this thing that was going on in your life? Yeah, the number one thing that I did is I had unwavering faith in my partnership with the universe. Yeah. I knew that I was not the only one who had a say. Yeah. And I'm going to get emotional now because it's, it's, and it's not something I've talked about, so I appreciate the opportunity. So um, I was not going to do chemotherapy. Yeah. I would have rather swallow a bottle of pills, to be very honest with you. It was just not the way that I wanted to go. I happened to not be a can, and, and, and I had three months before they could tell me what my um, treatment protocol was. Mm -hmm. Three months is a long time to not know what type of treatment you're going to need, what type of cancer you have, like what the, what the prognosis, like all of that jazz. And so I thought to myself, okay, universe, we have, th I didn't know at the time it was going to be three months. I just knew it day by day. And I was like, okay, universe, what do I have to learn to turn this, this around? Yeah. I'm not going to give you my breast. You do not, you don't get my breast. And I'm not going to do cancer or chemotherapy. So what do I have to learn? Give it to me. And every day, every day I had to learn things. I was learning things like I, people please. I had to cut that, I had to cut that shit out. Mm -hmm. There's no more people pleasing. Yeah. And I had to have serious conversations with people about how I behaved in the past and how I was going to start to show up now yeah. and how disruptive that could be to the relationship. And I had to renegotiate all my major relationships, specifically with my mom and my brother. I was somebody who operated out of guilt. Mm -hmm. I would do things out of guilt. That that had to go. That just had to go. I was somebody who lived in shame cycles. Yeah. I would act out because I would people please for so long and then, you know, my inner child would get upset and then I would act out in ways and then I would live in shame. That had to go. I was not communicating exactly what my needs were, how I wanted it and what the consequences were going to be if I was in a relationship with anybody that that wasn't getting met. That had to go. So every day I had to communicate, I was communicating with the universe. What do I need to learn? What do I need to learn? What do I need to learn? And it was to the point where my results were supposed to be in. And I went to the doctor and he's like, I'm sorry, but we had a backlog and we didn't get to them. I'm like, okay, so the universe wants me to learn more. Yeah. Okay, universe, what else do I have to learn? Like, what is it? I? And that was my approach. You know, I remember I could tell you a story. I was going for a walk because it was the thing that distracted me the most. I was walking like 10K or more a day. And I remember being on a bridge and I remember it was my right breast. I had a lumpectomy. They, the biopsy came back inconclusive. So they had to go in for a lumpectomy, came mm -hmm. back as stage one breast cancer. It was not in my lymph node. And I just remember like, like I remember my breast, like it was communicating to me as, I mean, as, as this may sound for some people, this was the way it was. And it was like, you know, Sophie, if you keep giving everything away, I will take you down. Yeah. This is a warning. This is just a warning for you. You need to stop giving and start protecting yourself and start receiving. Otherwise, this is going to just get worse for you. Yeah. And I, I like it was just like a, it was this just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was just like, <laughs> mm -hmm. I have to reevaluate how I I can't be a performer anymore yeah. for everyone else mm -hmm. and make life happy for them. 
I got to make life happy for me and be willing to stand in the fire of disappointing people. Yeah. Because we are all adults and we can be disappointed. And it's not my job to take care of everyone else's feelings. It's actually my job to communicate my truth. Mm -hmm in an eloquent and graceful way. I don't have to be rude about it, but I do need to be able to communicate my truth. And I need to be confident and comfortable and strong enough for the other person to not be okay with that without conceding to them. Yeah. And those are some major behavioral changes that I had to undergo and learn. And I was blessed. It was only three months and it was three months. <laughs> and when it came time to get my, uh, prognosis protocol, my treatment protocol, they wanted me to do 25 radiation treatments and do tamoxifen for two years. And at the point in time, I was 42. And I said, I, 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 I want to try for a baby. And they said, if you try for a baby, Sophie, that's a risk for the cancer to come back. Yeah. Now we need to have some serious conversations of what it's like to be a pregnant woman who has cancer. Yeah. Like that was not easy. Yeah. And I said, I will, I would rather try for this one thing that I've never been able, that I haven't been able to experience in life, then go on another trip, be on another beach, wear another pair of expensive shoes, eat another fancy restaurant, drive in another fancy car. I want to know what it's, I want to know myself as a mother because mm -hmm. it was the one thing I ran away from. And I will take that risk. And I will take that risk. And I said to the doctor, I said, what are the chances that the cancer comes back if I do nothing? And, you know, here's what's just so sad about the medical system. He's like, well, that's a completely different spreadsheet, Sophie. <laughs> I said, well, do you think that we could look at that spreadsheet? And I'm so sad for people whose English or, or ability to ask questions is, wasn't as in tune as mine was. And yeah. he said, well, you're a young woman. The chances of breast cancer coming back are, are fairly strong. We want you to do the radiation treatment for a 15% benefit. It doesn't come back. So I'm like, you want me to do this for for a chance that it doesn't come, like it reduces my chances of it coming back by 15%. Yeah. Like what if I change my lifestyle? He's like, they, they don't take that into consideration. So anyways, they look at this spreadsheet and he's like, well, you have an 89% chance it does not come back systemically. And in five years, it'll be 82% chance it doesn't come back systemically. And then every five years it goes down like that. And I was like, you're telling me if I do nothing, there's an 89% <laughs> chance it doesn't come back systemically, but you want me to do this treatment that's going to, damage my body for a 15% chance that it doesn't come. I could, this doesn't make sense. I said, oh, excuse me, doctor, are you, am I, am I crazy to think that I'm okay not to do treatment? He yeah. goes, well, it's not what I would recommend because we want to keep you safe, but the odds look good. Well, we are a legalistic society, <laughs> Sophie. And so he has to say that. <laughs> I get it. I get it. That's what makes me so sad. And I'm so proud of myself yeah. for looking fear in the eye and being able to have the cognitive ability and the questioning skills to ask those questions. But how many people just are living in the, the fear of it takes over? Not many. So, you know, not many. Um, it's sad it's for not me. many. And that's why you went through what you went through because uh, there was a need that was seen ahead. And we we're like, oh, we need someone to address those things because we see that there's a lot of women going through and they have this need. Let's pick Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. uh, let's take her out and drop her in so that she can experience this so that when Sophie comes out and you now speak to someone, a woman that has, that has 
situation, a divorce, loss of business, loss of relationship, loss of this, all of that. When you open your mouth, so the power that you, your words would be released from because where it's coming from, it's from a place where you have been and you're familiar with and you know exactly where they're at. You know the question to ask them to bring out the results because they are in a state of fear and they don't, they're not even awake to understand what question to ask. And so that's why you went through what you did. So here you are. You've been through this thing and, and Sophie, three months, that's a fast, that's a fast growth, if you will. Yeah, thank you. Um, it is fast. To go in and excavate all of those things that you had there and you recognize and now you're beginning to establish or reestablish your boundaries. As you began to look at yourself and you saw you and you saw the boundaries up again, you were looking at this woman. She has learned to love herself, to accept herself. What was that like? Well, it's like like rolling around in a cloud. Yeah. Hmm. It's a soft place to live. Yeah. It's a peaceful place to live. My central nervous system settled. The frenetic energy in my body, which I used to think was energy and ambition, <laughs> yeah. um, dissipated. My capacity to feel joy and love expanded. My ability to take a huge risk to have a child um, and follow a desire uh, was rewarded. Um, what's it like to live there? It's it's. I, I, it's it's peaceful, and I think what happens, and I just want to say this, is that that peacefulness can be misinterpreted as boredom. Yeah. Because when you're somebody like myself who was so addicted, I'm going to use that word because it's almost like what it was, to the chaos of life, mm -hmm. because I learned that as a young age in the trauma that I experienced, peace looks like boredom. Yeah. And... It's just not. And I hope that more people can understand that peace is not boredom. It's a place to appreciate a, a soft landing and a place where you can open, you actually can open your heart in peace. It's hard to open your heart in chaos. Yeah. And the amount of love and joy I have in my new relationship and with my baby, like just my baby, um, is something I haven't experienced before. The safety of that my relationship and bond with my child is one of my favorite relationships and one of my most safest relationships because of the peace that's in that relationship. Yeah. I tell people, yeah. Sophie, that there's a difference between living and life. It's two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Most people are living, you know, um, they're in a program and they are comfortable um, doing what's necessary. The nine to five, getting up, having the coffee, eating the car, listening to music, drinking, you know, a couple of beers on the weekend, getting drunk, showing up on, yeah. on uh, running into church maybe or something like that, seeing some family, getting, you know, high and then starting all over again. And next thing you know, you're 
60, 70 years now, and they've been living, but they've never had life. Disassociating. Yeah, they've never had life. And so here you are in your space right now. Life, your relationships are so alive and bright versus where it was um, before your focus. You have a few relationship or intense relationship. You have regenerated your, because when you first came in, you told us what you are doing right now. As you are here in present today, and you're looking at yourself and you realizing the gift that is you and your desire to begin to serve others that are in the space of where you came from. Talk to one of them that were, talk to you, Sophie, not one of them, talk to you when you look back and you saw yourself five years ago when you you were looking at the onset of the beginning of your darkness. Um, what would you say to her as you are now here? Like once I started to make the transition, you mean? Yeah, when you're here today, today you're looking at yourself. Talk to Sophie when Sophie was five years out, when all hell was about to... Yeah, um, just starting? Yeah, all hell was about to take place in our, in our life. And this is, you're talking to one of your clients, if you will, but it's you. You're, you're having that yeah, conversation. So, so before I, I left my divorce, I, I'm, before I left my marriage and started to bark on the divorce, I would say to myself, don't wait for a major life transition. Like for me, it was divorce or a health issue to get what you want out of life. Just don't, don't make that be the reason that you're waking up. Yeah. You have the power now. You know deep down inside if you're happy or not and what you want. And you can actually have that if you just have the courage. And you don't have to do it alone. You don't. There are people like me and like you who want to support people through this process because we've gone through it and we know the challenge of it. But on the other side, you get to meet yourself for who you came here to be. And for me, it would be so sad if I never got to meet that version of myself. And for anyone who's listening, you know there's a version inside of you that's, I was going to say, waiting to be birthed. And only you can birth her or him. Only you have that. And it's in your power. You get to say yes or no. You get to make the choices to stay or go. You get to take the actions. It's, it's all up to you. And as much as you may feel trapped, you're not. And it's about being brave and having the courage and listening to your intuition and speaking your truth. And if it's because you're afraid of disappointing your parents, which I hear so much, I honestly believe your parents will be so happy to see the person you've grown into. Because for me, parenthood is about watching your child blossom and become the person they're meant to be. And I really do believe your parents will come around. And if it's because you're 
afraid to be a societal outcast, you're in the wrong arena already. <laughs> Get yourself into the right <laughs> arena because there's other arenas out there that will support what you want. Yeah. There's your tribe. You're in the wrong. I was in the wrong arena yeah. for 40 years. Yeah. And I'm just learning what my new arena is. And to play in the arena that's the one that's made for you, it feels like you're rolling around in a cloud. It's just so peaceful and happy and joyful. And it, it's just, there's no edges really, you know? And so I would encourage you to speak your truth and to find the support and to go for it because the joy and the connection and the love and the intimacy that you're looking for with a love mate or just with people in general is available. Those people do exist. And, and and don't tell yourself they don't because that's just a lie we tell ourselves that keeps us stuck. And all of you guys listening, especially the ladies, I have someone that has gone through some hard times. And because she has gone through some hard times, she knows the terrain of divorce. That's pretty dangerous terrain. She knows the terrain of losing a business that's powerful terrain that business was a partner with her husband that is some powerful stuff right there and then you have cancer on top of that the fact that um uh, going against um naturally i guess uh, the pharmaceutical or the uh, medical society i got someone for you someone who was determined to have a child uh, when uh, the odds that they were telling her was not in her favor. I've got someone for you guys. And I am going to provide all the links for you to get access to her. You need to get in her space. She can walk with you. She can empathize with you. Um, those words that she will speak to you, it's, it's that hug that you need, that, uh, um, you know, cloud that you didn't know existed. She can guide you how to get there because it is a reality. You see the smile on her face when she talks about it, that there is no edges. And when there is no edges, that's all safety and she'll be able to guide you to safety. And I want you guys to hunt her down. I, you've got to get your freedom. She can guide you to your tribe, find your tribe. It is time not to listen to mom and dad. What about you? You have been living on this planet for a long time in pain. What about you? Ask yourself yeah. that question. What about me? And, um, Begin to love yourself. There is no one that will love you like you. Begin to be honorable to you. Those are, so Sophie talked about those boundaries that you are allowing your partner to overrun because you are giving them permission to do it. Pick those things back up. Change your life. I have a woman that is able to help you. Sophie, I want to thank you so much for coming to Threads of Enlightenment and engaging with your beautiful journey and your precious time with us here at Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I had a really um, 
fulfilling conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you.